The New Testament reading can be found on page 1668 of the Church Bibles. The New Testament reading comes from John, chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. The Raising of Lazarus. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now, say, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas called that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come. She went back 
and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who'd been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from deeply moved, came to the tomb? It was, across, it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odour, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, you know our hearts and how we are at the moment. And we pray that this story and your words from it would be a comfort to us, that we would take encouragement from it. We pray that what people hear this morning, what we hear this morning, would be you. Amen. Uh, so we are, as Ian said in his introduction this morning, we are uh, progressing through the stories of the nation's favourite Bible stories. And this one strikes us as, as very, very uh, popular. It's always important, if you're reading John, try to read a whole chapter, because it's very difficult to lift little bits out. Um, but, um, so thank you, Mo, for doing the whole thing. And the uh, importance is uh, uh, relevant to, it, to us in a lot of ways. Um, the phrase, uh, the biggest comeback since Lazarus, is a bit of a, a social epithet, isn't it? It's something we say, uh, you know, that we want to see things happen, and then people see if it's impossible, it will be the biggest comeback since Lazarus. And it's also possible that you've heard the phrase, you know, Jesus wept. People have used it as an exclamation of disgust 
or, or, or of um, uh, unbelief, you know, what on earth is going on? So actually elements of the story are really important. There's a quite a lot going on, and I want to just sort of draw uh, what I think is important for us together, although there's an enormous amount in there, as you can imagine. Uh, a man called Lazarus, as we've, as we've gathered from the first chunk of the story, is sick. But Jesus is close to this family, which includes both Mary and Martha, who we have already met in Luke chapter 10. Now, in that story, Martha complains that Mary sat at Jesus' feet while she was rushing around serving him. But Jesus said that Mary was doing the right thing by listening to him. So it's important that these, these young women, these women have learned something about Jesus and he's you know, spoken to them before. And in fact, it's also Mary who is the one who anoints Jesus with oil and then wipes his feet with her tears in an act of humble worship and recognition of who Jesus is. And you could read that in Matthew 26 and Mark 14. Strangely, in John, it occurs after this chapter. But John plays around with time in a way that nobody really understands. Anyway, <laughs> just to make it hard work for us. Um, but that's, that's really helpful. Anyway, it's important to understand that if that's the what, that's the city intend to do. And the good news is, I just want to get to um, uh, this thing here. He says, I'm going to wake him up. Our friend Lazarus is asleep, and I am going to wake him up. So he's trying to comfort the disciples around him, and in this they will see something of who he is. Now, it's important for the crowd uh, of mourners and for the family and for the disciples who are there. Sorry, I've skipped a slide. But from our point of view, from the reader's point of view, Jesus raising people from the dead is something he's done, but not very often. And we know from sort of Mark's gospel that Jairus' daughter was way up in the north at Capernaum, somewhere around that area in the Decapolis. And we also know from Luke 7 that Jesus raised a widow's son at the very funeral. And then, just as a little sort of hint, we're way, way south now. We've come a long way south. You know, Jairus, uh, Capernaum's like 85 miles away, and Nain is, another, is about 50-something miles away. And all of the local Jews have recently had this incident where Jesus healed a man born blind. That's what comes up later on. So it's important just to sort of pick up claims about what he could do and how blind the Jewish leaders were. So there's, an, there's a sort of little thing here about evidence. There's a little thing about here about witness and how Jesus is proving who he is to people who have been interested but so far proven to be unbelieving. Anyway, we pick up the story in verse 17 when Jesus arrives, and it is his greatest, it's going to be, the greatest demonstration of his power so far. It's one of the last so-called, it's the last so-called signs in John, it's, which are a gradual revelation of miracles identifying who Jesus is, and it, they start with the wedding at Cana. And we know that he's raised, he's raised other people from the dead elsewhere, although we might find that the people here are a bit more skeptical. It's possible the mourners don't even know about these other resurrection events. And if the local story, locals had heard the stories, it might be sort of, oh, well, that's up in the north, and I've said this. You know, It's up in the north, but we don't know. It's not attested 
by our Jewish leaders. It's not something that our, we know about or we agree with. It's, it's just a rumor. And we need to be generous when, with people when they're hearing these stories for the first time, actually. When we make claims about Jesus, some people are so far away from having heard these stories. Some people are so, and, and, they, and they've got a lot of processing to do. They've got a lot of thinking to do. How do you trust this? Well, where's the, how do you rely on that? Is the source reliable? So this is quite a good story to think about as we flesh it out. It's a good story to introduce people to. In turn, however, Mary, uh, Martha and Mary come to see Jesus. One of the interesting things is they both come to him with the same question. Did you notice in verse 21 and verse 32, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They have the same issue. They have the same complaint to Jesus, and rightly so. And Martha's, and Martha's conversation with Jesus is fascinating, isn't it? Uh, your brother will rise again. She comes to him with a, with a modicum of faith. I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus talks to her about what he can do. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So he's, he's taking what she's understood and he's trying to build on it so she can help under, he can help her understand. And look at these claims he makes. He himself, the authority to have life and give that life to whomever he will. He has that authority. I am the resurrection. I have that power. That is an enormous claim for Jesus to make. If this is going to be a demonstration of his power, this is a pretty big claim. People witnessing this are going to see something really big. He also says people who believe in him, even if they die, will live. There is a last day where he will raise the dead. He will raise the dead who have believed in him to life. It's so important that the people who have lived and died in faith with him will be raised. He makes this claim here and now. It's still true. It's something to hold on to. And then he says, and I think this looks a little bit to the future, people who live and believe in him will never die. And I think that's people who are alive on that last day. Believers on that last day won't actually die, a bit like Enoch. Um, but also, truly, believers never truly die. Believers never really die. Hence the idea that he says, our friend is asleep. So what Jesus is drawing in here is this. But before he raises Lazarus, before he does anything else, Martha calls Mary over. And when he sees her weeping in verse 33, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And then when the Jews speak to her, Jesus wept. Shortest, shortest verse in the Bible. Why does he do this? They assume, the Jews who are trying to comfort Mary, assume that he is crying because of his love for Lazarus. But Jesus is deeply troubled on a deeper level. Because they say, look, see how he loved him. 
And then they say, well, you know, that's when the questioning comes in. The level of their faith is revealed. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man dying? Which is harder, because I can't do either. You know, that's, that's a wrong sort of way of approaching faith, isn't it? And so Jesus is disturbed in his very being about this. Verse 38, again, we see once more deeply moved. And he groans inside him, Mark and in Matthew. Only occurs a few times. It's literally indignant. He became indignant. And the, the, the Greek word for cry and tear and weep are different too. He's not crying out of sorrow. He's crying out of this internal disturbance. Something's deeply wrong and he's upset by it. They've actually brought, to him, brought him to the point where he's so disturbed in himself that he cries for them all. Because the level of faith and belief that they're bringing to, the, bringing to this situation is not what he would have hoped for them. And it's having an impact on Mary. It's knocking her as well. It's important to put this together because it's how we, perhaps it's how we should approach death and tragedy. It's how we should have a, a perspective. Yes, Jesus cares deeply, but he also cares that we trust and believe in him. The rejection here, or not the rejection, but the, the lack of faith by the Jews who were supposed to be comforting Mary doesn't help her. How much do we trust in what Jesus has done? What faith and help can we offer people? What sorts of things are we able to bring to people about Jesus? Then there's this revelation. Sorry, I've skipped a couple of slides. That Jesus is, it's, it's, I think it's important to hold on to that. That Jesus weeps because he sees their lack of faith. He's in, they can't see that he can do something. And that's unhelpful in this circumstance. They just haven't understood who he is. And then we have this revelation. We have this great revelation of what Jesus can do. The Jews believed that the soul remained around the body for up to three days after death until, uh, until the body changes color. So this being the fourth day is really important. That people knowing that it was the fourth day was important. People being there saying it's four days since he died. And it's important to understand the power of this story. And if we're thinking about the witnesses here, Jairus' daughter died as Jairus was speaking to, um, to Jesus. And the widow of Nain's son hadn't been buried before he raised him from the dead. But this takes Jesus' power just that little step further, takes it, pushes it. This guy's been dead four days. I mean, whatever you might, you might want to say about Jairus' daughter or whatever, people might be dead. And then reminding Martha that she would see the glory of God. Did you see that little hint there? You will see. You will see uh, God being glorified. They roll back the stone. And Jesus cries, Lazarus, come out. There's a lovely story about Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great preacher. Uh, when he was in Sunday school as a child... His Sunday school teacher said to him, why do you think Jesus said, Lazarus, come out? And Martin Lloyd-Jones, who had great faith at a young age, basically said, well, because if Jesus had just said, come out, all the dead would have come out. 
Is that brilliant? <laughs> Who would have that? that? That's an amazing amount of faith to have. We would love to have that sort of faith, wouldn't we? And Lazarus comes out, and in his grave clothes, still whipping, you know, you can imagine the figure staggering out of the grave. I'm not going to get pictures of that. You know, there's an empty grave. Fine. I'm not going to try and find pictures of mummies. Um, but it's important, isn't it? Lazarus just came out, and there were people witnessing this, and people saw this, and some of them were against it, and some of them didn't know what to make of it. But what I want to focus on at the moment is these two sisters' faith. You see, Mary had been criticized for sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. She's now sitting at somebody else's feet. She's now allowing other voices in who are saying, well, we're not sure, we're uncertain, you know. Jesus can do this, but can he really do that? And perhaps she's lost her way a little bit, um, and it's right that people comfort her, but they're not telling her the truth about Jesus Christ. So she's lost a little bit of hope. She's lost a little bit of who is this Jesus, of, of who this Jesus is, the very one whose feet she washed. And Martha, who was told to listen to Jesus more, seems to have got, got it. She says some really important things, doesn't she? I know that there will be a resurrection. I know that he will be raised again in the last day. Verse 24. She's, you know, she's wrestling with the stuff that Jesus has been saying, the stuff that he's been teaching, and she's trying to piece it all together. But they both come to him with the same question, don't they? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They're both in the same place but they're both in different spiritual, emotional places, aren't they? Because their responses are so different. What an impact belief has had Christians quite a lot of the time. Or not a criticism, it's a bit more patronizing, if I'm honest. Well, if it works for you, that's lovely. Who's heard that? Okay, just five of us. But, <laughs> but I'm sure there's more. <laughs> if it works for you, that's lovely. But look at this two story. This story's brilliant. These two sisters, same situations, faith in the same God, but different places. It's working for them in different situations. It's working beyond just this sort of idea that faith is a series of sort of logical things where once we take our brain out, we replace it with a little program that basically says, if A, then B, if C, then D, because that's what Christians do. We're automatons and we don't feel and we don't have emotions and we never give up. Well, this story just throws that one back at us, doesn't it? It says, no, actually, you can come to Christ quite broken. You can come to Christ actually a little bit beaten up. You can come to him and say, I don't know what's going on. I know you've got the answer, but I haven't got a clue what even the question might be. I don't know what you're going to do. And that's, I think, is really, that's the beauty of this story, is that Jesus meets with both of them, and they, they find themselves at the feet of this man who is the Son of God who has the power to do amazing things, but meets them exactly where they are, Martha. He brings them beyond just those little bits further, those little steps beyond where they are. And I think that's part of the point of the story. Yes, Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, he is the resurrection. Yes, believers will never die. But yes, he meets you where you are. He knows you, he loves you, and he can treat you where you are right now. So whatever the situation we're in, However we're feeling about life, death, hope, love, loss, employment, unemployment, family, you know, he knows. He knows, and he has the power to reveal things that we couldn't have expected. 
Martha understood more, and Jesus demonstrated even more by revealing the fullness of who he is, or so far. Mary's struggling. Her friends have been little comfort, really. But he doesn't scold her. He doesn't tell her off. He weeps with her and for her. He meets her in that pain to bring her something amazing and new. And perhaps the, the, the message of the gospel is that we need to hang on to the fact that it's not a series of doctrines that we, 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 we hold on to. And yes, they're important and they're true. But in the day-to-day, rubber-hits-the-road sort of life that most of us have to reveal who he is. We're walking in situations where maybe he can reveal who he is. Both of these women had put their faith in Jesus and were in different places. Both of them came with their responses. Both of them knew they were loved. And each person there received a revelation of what Jesus could do. And so did Lazarus. Shall we be still? I want to just pray. Sometimes we do this in the evening service, but I wanted to do it a little bit this morning. It's a simple little psalm that we can pray in our own hearts. I'm just going to start it off and I'm going to leave gaps for you to fill in yourself. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have ultimate authority. You have, you are the life, you are the resurrection. And you call us to believe. But Lord, right now, I feel And Lord, whatever the situation is, I've just put before, well, I've named before you. Lord, I want to believe that you and Lord Jesus, the things that come to mind about who you are, Remind me to live and think and feel in a different way. So, Lord, although right now I feel like I want to believe that you will, so I can. So if you've prayed a little prayer, right now I feel, but I want to believe, so I can. Perhaps it would be good to pray with on your own. Bring your bring the stuff, bring the business to the Lord Jesus Christ and see what he will reveal about himself to you.